Here are the biggest pros and cons from these past five weeks of practices. You are Locked On Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen each and every day. And thank you to the everydayers who check us out because we're here six, sometimes seven days a week. We've got great episodes to come before and after this spring game. And it's almost here, guys. Friday night, 7.30 p.m. from Drive Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale. We're going to be able to watch our Canes in person, and you'll be able to watch them on ACC Network Extra and then ACC Network. You're going to be able to see our Canes, and that's the most important thing. So now that the practice sessions have come to a close and the Canes are going to take the field tomorrow night, I wanted to reflect on what I feel to be the biggest pros and cons from everything that's transpired out there on Green Tree for the past several weeks. The first big pro that I've seen out there in the practices I've been able to observe are I'm seeing the overall depth and competition levels improving, right? It's starting to look, still got some ways to go, but it's starting to look like the team Mario Cristobal wants to assemble, right? Where last year it was far from it. We actually have to see how they play in the regular season this year, of course, but the competition levels and the way guys go after it in practice and how much depth there are at most of these positions, it's starting to resemble a little bit more of what Cristobal is trying to do here. They practice at a military pace, these guys. Everyone goes hard out there, and everyone does it with a smile on their face. I've heard so far only positive things about how the locker room is getting along to this point and working together so far. There are no malcontents in the locker room. And you obviously take that with a grain of salt because in spring football, there's no real adversity. You start to face adversity when you get into the regular season and you maybe lose some games because I don't think Miami's going undefeated this year. How do you bounce back and how do you respond from that? That's when, you know, the negativity can really start to surface. But so far, so good in that regard. I think that a lot of the guys who didn't want to be here and didn't want to be part of this are people who have already picked up and left during the transfer portal. Uh, one of the cons throughout spring ball, um, you know, I mentioned overall competition and depth levels are rising, but certain position groups in spring are so, so thin where, you know, it's a little bit hard to gauge what you really have out there, right? Defensive tackle and running back especially have been really thin during spring ball. Uh, only having two scholarship running backs out there. It's not an ideal situation. Now, it's a great situation for the walk-on running backs. And by the way, uh, later this week, we're going to be talking with Michael Perino, one of Miami's walk-on backs who does such a good job and he works so hard. So for guys like that, it gives them more opportunities in practice. But obviously with Henry Parrish, who's been doing really well, and Don Chaney, who's been doing well, uh, being the only scholarship running backs, you know, it, it's a little bit harder to kind of gauge what you have and to practice properly. Uh, another pro, this is a huge one. The offensive line has received the biggest injection of talent compared to any other position group. Um, when you think about this, just from a number standpoint, on Miami's O-line, 
three out of the five projected starters in that group are new faces who weren't here last year. Three out of the five. So you have overhauled more than half of your starting offensive line, and these are all really good players. Transfers, Javion Cohen at left guard who came from Alabama. Matt Lee at center who came out of UCF but was one of the highest graded centers in the country. And then early enrollee, CC Mauigoa, Francis at right tackle. Uh, they are all excelling in spring. And you've got a deeper bench as well because you've got a monster in Samson Okunlola, the Pancake Concho, ready to rotate in. He's been your second-team left tackle throughout practice with Jalen Rivers uh, being the first-team left tackle. He was, of course, here last year. And Inez Cooper, big coop, holding down that first-team right guard spot. But more than half of that starting offensive line are new guys, and the new guys are all doing exceptionally well, and the returning guys are doing uh, very, very well so far in the spring. So that's a big pro. Um, a con. The offense in general, they're at least a bit behind the defense right now. Uh, so you could say, well, is that really a con? Because maybe that's good for the defense, and you know, we know the offense is going to be revolutionized with air raid principles and you know the offensive line being better, which I just talked about should make the offense better. Uh, I guess there's two ways to look at it, but uh, I still think that some of the weaknesses of Miami's offense, O-line aside, are being exposed a little bit. I still think Miami needs to add another tall, deep threat at receiver. Uh, I do like the improvements from guys like Colby Young, who trimmed down and got faster, uh, Jacoby George, who's been practicing really well, and Isaiah Horton, who was a first-year guy last year. He just looks a lot more comfortable out there in the second year, and he's been making some plays. But uh, still, I, the defense looks, I think, pretty far ahead with their installs under their new coordinator, Lance Guidry, than the offense does right now. But that's a work in progress, right? We're going to know a lot more about that even tomorrow night in the spring game and then in fall camp. We're going to get really a better idea of where the offense is. And then another pro, um, and I talked about some of these guys already, but a big pro for me are – transfer players that Miami has brought in really making a difference you always want to hit home runs in the transfer portal and I think Miami's hit a handful of those and we're not done in the transfer portal of course so I already mentioned the offensive linemen who are both going to be starters who transferred in Cohen and Lee uh, at linebacker Kiko Mauingoa from Washington State he's been a revelation at Mike linebacker he's been playing so well I like both of the veteran defensive backs, Devontae Brown and Terry Roberts Jr. I think they're both going to play a lot. Brown will probably end up being a starter this year. Transfer tight end, Cam McCormick, has been really impressing me. I think he's going to be a big part of this offense, and he was the best uh, blocking tight end in the country, according to Pro Football Focus. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. What, a couple of the guys that I'm really looking forward to watching in the spring game are Branson Dean and Thomas Gore, the two defensive tackles, because they've also been doing pretty well. So here's how I expect the spring game to play out on Friday. And I hope to see a lot of you out there at Drive Pink Stadium. And by the way, before we even get to the stadium, from noon to around 2 p.m. tomorrow, uh, I'm going to be joining some other uh, podcasters and, and YouTubers who cover the Canes, like the guys from the You Heard podcast and Coach Hayes is going to be out there, who I love. From noon to 2, we're going to be at Canesware in Davie for a little meet and greet. So if you want to stop by from noon to 2 p.m., Canesware in Davie, uh, that's where I'm going to be. And then, of course, I'll be at Drive Pink Stadium in the evening. Um, I think from a big-picture standpoint, 
I think the fans watching this game are going to be overall pretty satisfied with the execution. That's one of the big things you look at in a spring game because spring game, it's a glorified practice is what it is. And some years when you watch Miami spring games, it just looks so sloppy and so bare bones some years that it just makes you realize like how far away your team is from regular season form, right? Uh, I I think this time around, it's going to look more comparable to some of those SEC spring games that we watch on TV every year because all those get broadcast. So uh, I, I think overall fans are going to be, you know, pretty impressed with some of the plays that are being made out there. And the it's going to look more like a game than a practice, because in some years it's like, man, why do we even put this on TV? Like, do we even do we even want to watch this? I don't think this is going to be a year like that. You know, another thing and a lot of this is going to depend on how good of a job they do on the TV broadcast. Now, I'm going to be part of the radio broadcast on WQAM with people like Joe Zagaki and Vic Bermudez, our executive producer, they're going to be orchestrating that radio broadcast. So I know that one's going to be on point. But for the ACC Network broadcast, if they hit this out of the park, I think fans who watch this are going to learn to love the new coaches on Miami staff, right? If the TV announcers tell their stories properly, we're going to want to hear the stories they tell about coaches like Jason Taylor, Kevin Beard with the wide receivers, the coordinator, Shannon Dawson, Lance Guidry, Cody Waddell, the tight ends coach, has a great story to tell. Tim Harris with the running backs. And all of them, of course, are going to be very animated on the sidelines, and you're going to see them huddled up with some of their players. Hopefully, maybe they can mic up some of these guys. I don't know if that's something they're planning to do because these guys all have great stories to be told. Um, I think... For those who watch this spring game, uh, you're going to come away impressed with all three of Miami's quarterbacks. Tyler Van Dyke, he's looking like more of a field general. Uh, His shoulder looks completely healthy because that was something that, of course, derailed his season last year. He's fully healthy now. Jakari Brown, he's been one of the stories of spring ball. He's looking now like a true dual threat quarterback because his passing accuracy has really improved to match how good of a runner he is. Emory Williams, the early enrollee freshman, he looks so much more advanced than an early enrollee usually is. And so I think most of you will be seeing him on the field for the first time. Uh, I think Emory's going to make some good throws and some plays out there. And uh, you're going to see talent oozing from Miami's defensive line, specifically on the edge. I think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Nigelique Kelly, he's ready for a breakout year. Akeem Mesidor, still an alpha dog. Reuben Bain is looking like a human hurricane ready to wreak havoc and destruction. Bain has been so impressive throughout spring football so far. So uh, I think it's going to be an enjoyable spring game. And like some of these you watch three, four, five, seven years ago, you're like, "Hmm, we sure we want this on TV? This isn't looking so good. I don't think we're going to come away feeling that way about the spring game on Friday night. When we come back, we're going to open up to Q&A. Right. People have questions about that quarterback room for the present and for the future. Uh, Got a really good one. What has to happen for the defense this coming season to hold opponents to under 20 points per game? And what has to happen for the offense to average 33 plus points per game? We will get to those and more on this episode of Locked on Canes. Guys, I just ordered a couple of boxes of the new built cookie Uh, cookies and cream puffs it's a new flavor if you're looking for a delicious snack but you don't want all the sugar and calories 
you need the best tasting protein bar ever built. You got to try this. If you're like me, you want to make a healthier snack choice. Uh, you don't want to compromise taste, though. I've got just the right thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing. You won't think that they're good for you, but you got to try this. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, folks, they're all covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream. I just ordered those cookies and cream puffs. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars, they taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy. Only 130 calories, just four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can also get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. Our listener, Al... He basically buys these in bulk at Sam's Club, and I love him for it. Like he, he he goes in there, he leaves with like a cart full of Built Bars. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream bar, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors like brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later because I love me some Built Bars. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. One day away from the spring game. I'm so excited. And thanks again to those who not only listen today and watch today, but every day because uh, we're going to have some more spring game, pregame, and postgame material tomorrow on Friday, including an interview with walk-on running back Mike Perino. I'm excited to talk to him later today on the YouTube channel. We're going to have videos with Mario Cristobal and a handful of Miami players who are going to speak after practice. So we are loaded with content here, Locked on Canes on YouTube and Locked on Canes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your pods. We get a question from Kelso Red who says, hey, Elbow, that's that's an old nickname of mine, the Big Elbow. Once Tyler Van Dyke is gone, who are you projecting to be the starter at quarterback? Um, obviously, there's going to be a competition next year, but I'm expecting Jakari Brown. I'm expecting him to be the starting quarterback last year. Um, there's nothing wrong with Emory Williams getting a little bit more time for seasoning, but Brown Brown is just ahead, you know, more more mature, more experienced, and he he is fixing his weaknesses and he's trying to turn his weaknesses into strengths. Right, that weakness that he has had, not being able to throw accurately or consistently. He's basically lit a stick of dynamite and is trying to completely demolish that weakness. He's working really, really hard on that stuff. So my projection would be Jakari Brown. But as I say always, may the best man win. 
And on a similar note, we get a question from Creamy Italian. He says, I want to know if Van Dyke is no matter what the starter, or is there any chance whatsoever of Jakari winning the starting job by fall? All I hear about Jakari is how he's improved and he can run like uh, an MF. <laughs> so uh, for Creamy Italian, you know, I, Basically, th things are things are operating with Tyler Van Dyke running the first team. Um, but these coaches, they they want to win like they want the best man to win. So if I'm sure if it reaches a point through fall camp and I'm not expecting this, but if it reaches a point in fall camp where one of the other quarterbacks is just clearly a better option than Van Dyke, um, I don't think they are going to hesitate to make a change for any reason like we feel like we owe this guy something or he's got a big NIL deal or no, they, they just want to win. May the best man win. Um, I, I just think right now, and it's not impossible that this could change, but I just think Van Dyke with his experience, he's just ahead of Jakari and ahead of Emery uh, because you, you got to remember something being QB one, it's not only about talent. It's also about execution and how, how you run an offense. And I just think Tyler Van Dyke, he's just ahead with a lot of little things right now. Uh, so, but you know, I don't, I, you know, have they, have they come into this season just saying, Hey, Tyler is the starter, no matter what anyone else does. I would like to believe that's not the case. Uh, I, I think that they are going to, it's their jobs from Cristobal to Shannon Dawson on down. It's their jobs to identify which quarterback gives us the best chance to win. I think it's Tyler still, but if it's not, hopefully they get that right. But great question. Get a question from Mike McCoy, who says, these are a couple fill in the blanks. The defense holds opponents under 20 points per game if, so I'll answer that with if, we can plug up those holes in the running game. If Leonard Taylor has a big year, Jared Harrison Hunt, uh, Ahmad Moten, I think it's got to be important and step up this year. Uh, we'll see what we get from Joshua Horton, who's an early enrollee freshman. Well, he's not actually, he's not an early enrollee. He's going to be a late enrollee. He's not even on campus yet. We'll see. We'll see if he can do anything year one. And then Dean and Gore, the transfers were a little bit undersized. I, I think if the defense can be, um, could be above average or elite against the run. I think Miami can hold uh, opponents to 20 points per game. I think the run stopping is going to be the key there. He says the offense averages 33 points per game if – I'm going to say two, two conditions there. If the offensive line looks as good as advertised in reality and if Miami's receivers hold on to footballs. Because if the offensive line does their job, that's going to put Van Dyke and the running backs in positions to succeed. It's going to give the receivers time to run their routes and hopefully create separation. And I, I believe Van Dyke is uh, is accurate enough to put the football where it needs to be. We got to catch, right? So if the O-line is as good as advertised and and if, uh, if the receivers actually hold on to footballs, which has been a problem or was a problem last year, then I, I think they can score 33-plus points per game. Uh, then he a third question, how close is the roster to championship depth? Um, not that close. Um, like, if, if, I, if championship depth, that means Georgia, right? Georgia are the champions. You know, teams like Ohio State, Alabama, uh, Miami still has some work to do there. It's not that close. I think the depth is better than it's been the last couple of years. 
Uh, so if he, he asked me for my letter grade for team depth, I'm going to go like C plus B minus range where, you know, championship depth would be an A or an A plus. I'm going to go C plus B minus range. Get a question from Brett, the firefighter. Love this dude. And, uh, and by the way, the best way to get your questions read on the show is if you join our subtext chat community, we have an exclusive SMS platform through locked on canes through a service called subtext. I'm going to include the link in the show description below. You just click a link. You can sign up. It's also a nice way to say thank you. Uh, so the first two weeks on subtext, completely free. Uh, then if you opt in, you want to hang around. It's $4.99 a month. Uh, remember, I never throw out like my cash tag or my Venmo. We don't ask you guys for donations. So, you know, if we're going to do something like this that's not free, we give you value in return. If you join our subtext community, you get exclusive recruiting scoops and updates. Uh, those of you who are on our subtext, you knew like 10 hours before Judd Anderson committed that he was going to commit. Uh, we give you guys updates from practices, breaking news, opinion stuff you're not going to see anywhere else. So join our subtext community. Uh, our guy, Brett, is one of the members of that. He says, Dono, I remember going to the Orange Bowl since I was a kid. I was there during the 58-game winning streak at home. He says, I'm not sure if it's still an NCAA home record. It is because I think it was last year Clemson was closing in on it and they lost. He says, do you think the Hard Rock Stadium can ever have that atmosphere for home field advantage? Um, so, he, yes, because I've seen it firsthand. That Notre Dame game in 2017, that crowd, that noise level, that was comparable to the Orange Bowl. That was, right? And even the week before, a night game against Virginia Tech, fantastic crowd. That was comparable to the Orange Bowl. So I think it's really, it's more about the team. So if the team can get consistently good, be competing for championships, more fans are going to be inspired to come out for these big games. You're also you're going to get more night games if your team is really good because, you know, the ESPN is going to want to showcase Miami in prime time more often. Uh, because for me, I think what Hard Rock, what makes Hard Rock a really good atmosphere is ever since they built that canopy, uh, it traps in a lot of the noise and it just makes the building louder. So if you can have more of those big games against Notre Dame, that type of thing, that type of feel and atmosphere, then I think it can be comparable. The Orange Bowl can never be duplicated or replicated. I love that building with all my heart. May she rest in peace, the old lady. Uh, but uh, I do think Hard Rock can be comparable, but it's really about the team getting those dubs and being competitive for national championships. And you're going to get crowds like that a lot more often. Oh, man, we have a question we're going to get to about the future of Ruben Bain. Uh, question about some of the young guns out there like Caleb Spencer and Emery Williams. We're not done, folks. Keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts, and we are available free on YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, smash that like button and subscribe. And if you're listening to an audio version, make sure you subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and a five-star review. And I know uh, later this week, we're going to have a couple of new five-star reviews to shout out because we got a couple of new ones. Thank you guys so much. So I want to get to this question from Alex. Question for the show. He says, putting you on the spot, who will lead the team in sacks this season? My gut tells me Nigel e. Kelly is going to lead the team in sacks. Uh, I'm seeing what I need to see out of him in spring. He had a really strong, true freshman year last year. He's improving. He's getting bigger and stronger. Jason Taylor really helps him work on his technique. 
I think Nigel Leak is going to surpass Akeem Mesidor, who was the leader in sacks last year. Um, I, I think Nigel Leak will be the top sacker. Akeem is going to be like a half sack or one sack behind him. And crazy as it may feel, I'm not sleeping on Reuben Bain. I, I think he can have such a dynamic, true freshman year. I think he's going to be in that conversation for like top three or four in sacks this year. I'm not sleeping on Jafari Harvey either, but I, I think Reuben Bain could creep up and put up a pretty big number. Get a question from Derek in Nashville. It says, will Hurricane Bain turn into Warren Sapp? Sapp was a tight end coming in. Bain is unblockable at 270 as he grows to 285, 300. I can see it. Um, you said it. Um, you made an interesting point. I don't. I don't really like to compare young players to Hall of Famers. I don't. I don't know if that's really fair to anybody. So I'll just say this. I don't know if he's going to be the next Sap, but he's going to be the first Reuben Bain, and he's he's going to carve his own legacy. And I think it's going to be a great one at Miami. Uh, we also get this question from Derek. He says, "So the portal is opening again. Who leaves?" He says. Oh, and by the way, they threw us a curveball with this portal. So the transfer portal was going to reopen May 1st through May 15th. They just decided, screw it, let's open it on April 15th. So it's going to so the, the next transfer portal window, it starts in 2 days. It's going to be April 15th through April 30th, um which I guess is fine because everyone will have played their spring games by then because I think it's important to get through the spring games so players can make a decision based on what happened in spring. Um I don't have a good answer to that question though, Derek, as far as who leaves because here's the thing. I don't because usually you're looking for guys that are just not getting opportunities or are kind of in the doghouse in spring practice and will maybe decide, you know, I don't really have a future here. Let me try to find a future somewhere else. Um, I, I don't necessarily feel that way about anybody. Um, you know, if you had asked me this a few weeks ago or like at the start of spring football, I definitely had Cyrus Moss on my radar because I didn't know, you don't hear much about how he's doing, and maybe he's still undersized. But you know, based on what Jason Taylor said about Cyrus uh, about a week ago, um, it's it sounds like he's coming along nicely, and he's putting on some weight, and that he's he's dialed in. So I don't know. I don't think it would be fair for me to give a prediction on who leaves uh, as far as who comes in. Apparently, it's not going to be Gary Bryant Jr. because we talked about this yesterday. Miami is no longer recruiting the uh, USC wide receiver transfer, but I do think Miami wants to add a speedy outside receiver. I think they want to add a defensive tackle. Got a couple more questions about how that could go. Uh, somebody was asking me, uh, do I have this one? Oh, man, I, I who some somebody was asking me, maybe it might have been Derek. He was asking me um, if Miami is going to bring in any safeties in the transfer portal. I think they could use one. I think they could absolutely use a veteran safety in the portal. I haven't really heard any names of good safeties available in the portal or who Miami might be looking at, but I definitely think that safety could be an area of need there because, yeah, defensive tackle, outside wide receiver, but I think safety is up there as well. Uh, get a couple questions here from Chalupa Batman, who says, hey, Caleb Spencer and Emery Williams have been killing it in the spring, but they were a bit under the radar before that. Who do you think out of the late arriving freshmen will turn heads that maybe we don't talk about a lot? 
I think we talk about everybody a lot. So I don't know. I, out of the late arriving guys, um, you know, Frankie Tenelau, I don't think he's going to play a lot the first year, but he physically he impresses me. I had a chance to meet Frankie, who is a three-star offensive tackle. Um, he's not enrolled early, but I did see him as a visitor at practice a couple of weeks ago. He's gigantic. Like you would never look at him and say, oh yeah, that's an 18 year old. You'd think that's like a 25 year old grown man, you know, NFL type of body. So, you know, I think he's going to be a little bit of a project at offensive tackle, but he could be a great one because he's got that size and that strength. No question about it. Um, you know, I really, I really think that out of the, the guys who haven't enrolled yet, I think Damari Brown and Mark Fletcher are probably the two that are going to have the biggest impact in their first year. Cause Brown, you know, young defensive back cornerback, but he he's big and he plays so physical that I, I think he's going to, he's going to have maybe like a quicker learning curve to get on the field because, you know, he's not like a smaller daintier, skinny guy. Like he's already got a, a build that's, you know, power five ready and Fletcher, same thing at running back. I mean, Mark Fletcher is a bruiser, uh, so I, I think he could get some run, and he's a lot faster than people give him credit for to go along with his size. So I think those are a couple that could have an impact. So we also get this question from Chalupa Batman. He says, hey, more so a fun one here. What's your favorite solid color uniform that the Canes wear, as in all orange, all black, all white, or all green? All white? And it ain't close. I love that stormtrooper look. <laughs> Whenever, when they've got a road game, because usually they wear white, obviously, on the road, not at home. When they've got a road game and you see the Canes walking out or running out of the tunnel in that all white, it's on. My huge Star Wars fan, uh, you know, obviously I'm a, I'm a longtime Miami football fan going way back. There's something about that all white. We call it the stormtrooper look. I love it. Um, I'm not really a fan of the all orange and all green. I just, it's like too much color. It's like, oh, I need to put on sunglasses to watch those type of games. But the all white, I absolutely love that. And I don't know if they've, have they ever worn all black? Like they don't even wear the black jerseys. They had those Miami Knights last year. They never put them on. So I don't know if I've ever seen all black, but the all white looks fantastic. That'll do it for today's episode. Remember later on today, we are going to have on our YouTube channel video interviews, media availability from Mario Cristobal, uh, Tyler Van Dyke, and I think three other Canes players. So YouTube channel is going to be jacked and locked and loaded later today. We will talk to you again on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.